picnic. What a great turnout that we had. Great, beautiful day. It's just a great thing for our church family. We do all of that. The whole intent of everything that we do there is just to give you an opportunity to perhaps make a friend. We know that's important, that, that you know somebody that you worship with, that you build a relationship with someone. And so we want to thank each of you for coming out. And one last announcement, just as a tag along there here. So on Tuesday night, that's kind of a, um, the time to, is, is, is limited to be able to fit some of these things in. So Young and Heart, again, are meeting in the Family Life Center. And just one final word on that. That is a potluck dinner fellowship, so that you'll be aware of for the Young at Heart. And then the ladies are here, and I am providing the security for that event. Do, you, do y'all feel safe? Because, you know, I can hit the panic button if I need to. And so uh, Sister Sherry has come, you know, as a part of the ladies' study, and I said, well, you know, our security team sacrifices so much. And if Sherry's going to be here, I might as well be here. And so that's how that came about. But with that, let me say this. If the security team could, could be aided by some additional volunteers, I'd like to see the team grow a little bit again so that they could only be asked to serve just once a month. Come on. So if you're thinking about it, they, they do have some qualifications. We don't want you, uh, you know, trigger happy like Barney Fife, <laughs> right? So you, and you've got to, you know, perhaps even have some, a little bit of physical, you know, um, qualifications to be able to meet. But it's just a part of the church in our time, isn't it? I know I still get a little bit traumatized by it myself. You know, the worship team was in here practicing early, early this morning, and I had unlocked the door to let someone in and, and out, and I left it in law, and I'd gone up to prayer. And then I thought, in my prayer time, I can't do that. They're here. They're preoccupied. I've got to go and get that door locked. It's just, that's just, everything's changed, hasn't it? And so we want to thank you, men and women, for your service to help our church family, because while I'm teaching right now, or getting ready to preach, there are two gentlemen that's standing in the foyer right now and then there's one with your children on the north end who stays there the entire service and they stay in the front and they stay vigilant just to make sure that we're in the healthiest and safest and most protected environment that we can be in that's a good place to say amen and i appreciate their sacrifice so if you're interested you can see uh, one or two people you can see either chris south or randy grubbs and they'll get you the information that you're looking for well you know what today is don't you There's a lot of, keep going, I'm fishing. Close. No. It is the beginning of, what, Shane, come on. The Sheep and the Shepherd series. Started last week, I shared with you that we're going to start a four-part series in the month of November here, The Sheep and the Shepherd. And I am excited to share this with you. My heart is filled with uh, thankfulness for this, this doctrine that the Lord has given us. So we're going to read a few verses of Scripture to open and just a couple of other passages along the way, and then I'm going to drop some things down into your heart. So before I start expounding on this, let's just go right to the Word of God. and let's just. So we're going to read uh, three, four verses of Scripture to open the, the, the message here today. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, join your heart with mine, and let's honor the reading of the Word of God, if we can, by standing one more time for us here today. Get your spiritual calisthenics in. 
So let's see. We're going to just see if we can weave these thoughts together. We're going to begin at Psalm 78, verse number 52. It says this, but made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. I like to hear those pages turn for there. So we're going to go ahead and turn over quickly from there. Psalm 95, verse number 7 now says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and we're the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, that leads us in another thought. We're not going there with that. But let me read that again. He is our God. We're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And then Psalm 100, verse number 3. says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Amen. Are you, are you seeing the development of a common theme here in the, under the pen of the psalmist? Now, in Ezekiel, the prophet who prophesied during the days of the Babylonian captivity. So here, Ezekiel chapter number 34, verse 31, one verse. That will conclude the reading of our text while you stand. It says here, And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men. And I am your God, saith the Lord God. And so today, we're going to open our hearts, and we're going to ask God to illuminate a very familiar, a familiar thought to anyone that has studied the Word of God with any, um, with any intensity of looking very intently at it, uh, this concept of the sheep and the shepherd. So let's pray. Father, we love you. How humbled that we are to be able to open the Word of God, to be able to look into pages that have been, Father God, written upon by the, by the ink of men's pen, Father God, as they reflected the heart of God, as they had their ear attuned to the Spirit of God. The Scripture says, Lord, that holy men of old, Father God, were moved by the Holy Ghost, and they penned these words. And we're believing that this theme of the sheep and the shepherd is consistent throughout the Word of God, and there's a beautiful picture of our communion and our relationship with you, and then also, Father God, our relationship with one another within the fold. So, Lord, I ask today, let preaching come easy in this house. Come on, somebody. Lord, let it be easy to communicate these truths, for let the people be receptive to the Word of God. Longtime member, adherent, or guest who walk through the doors for the very first time today, let every man, woman, boy, and girl's heart be receptive to the Word today, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Thank you so much for your attention. Now, as a pastor, I always try a little bit occasionally to share with you just how I gather the thoughts towards my sermon context. And so when I'm preparing a sermon, I often want to start as broad as I can, and then I want to narrow it. So I want to look at it in its context. And this particular subject, you find it all the way from the Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's the belief that the, the, the animal that was brought and sacrificed by Abel, um, that the sacrifice that was received you know, was a, uh, was a lamb, and then at the same time, we can also see that Jesus is the Lamb of God and is spoken of in the book of Revelation. And so with this, there, the, the, 
the word sheep, just real quickly, for just, just, just the information, because I'm, I'm trying to paint a bigger picture here today. The word sheep appears 187 times in the Word of God in 178 verses. Flock appears 111 times. Lamb, 105. Uh, lambs, 81 times. And then there are goats among us. I mean, there are goats in the Word of God uh, as well. And so overall, 750 times we have reference in some way to the flock or to sheep and even to goats. So it's a very, it's a familiar study. So it's a, you, can't, you can't read the word without, without finding it here. And most of the usages are recording the movement of actual sheep or that's the actual instruction that was related in the book of Moses or the books of Moses to the sacrifice of the people on the, uh, uh, in their sacrificial system and uh, their relationship with God. But many references are used in an allegorical manner, and we're going to kind of look at that here in just a little while. You know, I got to thinking about this, perhaps the five most influential men in all of the Old Testament, when you think about this, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the men of God that God called the family lineage that you and I are now grafted into their family lineage, correct? For the book of Galatians chapter 3 says that we are all children of Abraham by faith. Abraham received the promise of the seed, Isaac passed the seed, Jacob multiplied the seed, and to one degree, David, many generations, was that seed, but then through David, we find Jesus. But of those previous, those first four, four of the five, Moses being the other, all of them handled sheep at some point in time in their life. They were shepherds. They related to the natural example of leading the people of God because that they had been in the sheepfold. And so when you study the scripture, you can see that sheep and shepherding is a big part of the history of Israel. It was a part of their agriculture. It was a part of their diet. They consumed the meat. It was a part of their sacrifice and worship to God. But it was also a part of their identity in their relationship to God. And I love the way that the psalmist here says to ancient Israel, he said, you are the sheep of God's pasture. You are his. And I I want us to create that mindset, if we can, for just a moment of time. We need to see ourselves as the sheep of God's pasture today, don't we? We need to know that, that we have a shepherd today. So let's go a little bit farther. Not only did Jesus use this term, the sheep and the shepherd, many times in his teaching. Think about this. Jesus said, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said, uh, when he saw the masses of humanity... The Bible says that he was literally moved with compassion, not because they were an army without a commander, not because that they were a business without a CEO, but he said they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, God, would you send forth labors into the harvest? And I can even remember that conversation that Jesus had with his disciples after his resurrection, and we know that fresh in the mind of all the disciples was the threefold betrayal or Uh, denial of the apostle Peter. Everybody remember that? And so Jesus proves the validity of his love by asking him three times the same question. Simon Peter, three times he asked him, lovest thou me? You know, it wasn't that long ago, Peter, that when you denied that you even knew me. Do you really love me, Simon Peter? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You would think then the response of Jesus would be, well, then your shadow's going to heal people. Or you're going to preach apocalyptic messages about the end of the world. No, he looked at him, he said, then I got something to ask of you, Peter. Feed my lambs. I'm telling you, that gets inside you when you start seeing how much God cares for you and how he can relate to. We can relate, we can relate through this, this 
example. I see it in the Word of God in Paul's teaching. I'm actually going to omit those two texts there of Acts 20 and verse 28 and 1 Peter 5 and 2. So I see it both in Jesus' own words and ministry. I see it reflected in Paul's teaching, but I also see it then later in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, where Peter speaks about the, the, the sheepfold as well. But I want to also draw your attention to the world's most recognizable text in the Word of God. And I know to many of us it might be John 3, 16, right? And so well, that's the, you know, because the reason why so many recognize this is because that rainbow-haired guy in the 80s used to hold up that sign on the on National Football League and behind the goalposts. Everybody remember that, brother? And it would say John 3, 16, and that's recognizable. But the world's most recognizable text is this right here. And it came to us perhaps through the divine revelation of the sweet psalmist of Israel when he was watching his father's sheep on the hills of Bethlehem. And he was thinking about his communion and his relationship with God. And he knew that the sound of bleeding that he heard in the, in the, coming from the sheepfold was not the people. Those, those animals, those four-legged animals, those weren't the people of God. And, but his own brothers and sisters, the people of ancient Israel, they were the people of God. And so David, under divine inspiration, said, The Lord, we're still singing about it 3,000 years later. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know it, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. Come on, so my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All because of this analogy that David gained divine revelation through the bleeding of sheep out in the pastures of Bethlehem. And we're moved by this today to know that we are the sheep of God's pasture. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so I think it's important. I think you and I should have a measure that we need to study, a measure of both the nature, character, and characteristics of the shepherd. I mean, that's important. And then also of the nature and the characteristics of sheep. And so in studying the shepherd, we quickly learn that the Lord is the shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. Yahweh God, Jehovah God, he's the shepherd. But in his relationship with his sheep, he places what we call under-shepherds. And as this study unfolds, one of the things that you need is you need to be able to filter. You need to be able to filter this message because part of the time I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to be referencing the Lord as that shepherd. And then part of the time I'm going to be talking about myself and other shepherds that are a part of this body, this local body as well. And the one thing that we want to carefully say, and that is today, that we are the shepherds of this local flock, but we recognize that these sheep are not our own. They're his. You're his. You're the sheep of his pasture. But what a great responsibility has been placed upon the leaders of this fellowship who have accepted a divine call and a divine appointment to lead the people of God. What a responsibility. Church family, we're going to give account one day. We're going to stand before the throne of Almighty God. And there's going to be a book in His hand. And it's not going to just be the book of life to determine who's written therein, but it's going to be a book containing our works. And in that moment of time, God's going to ask us about how we handled the people of God. And did we lead you in the paths of righteousness? 
Or were we abusive to the people of God? Did you know a lot of people that have the title of pastor or spiritual leader become abusive of the people of God? And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to stand before God at that particular moment or at that particular testimony, having the image that will pass right in front of your eyes of you being abusive to the people of God. So it's a very careful and it's a very, um, it's a very precarious calling, but man, what a calling it is. And I'm so grateful that God, for whatever reason, his sovereign grace called me and entrusted me to be a pastor to lead the people of God. So there are many unique aspects and characteristics of sheep, both individually and the relationship and their intervention or inter, excuse me, interaction with the flock. Just real quickly, just now remember real quickly, this is almost like a picture, and I'm not going to take you in great depth today, but I want to build a picture so that you can see a broader image of it, and as that happens, the Spirit of God's going to take you deeper. You believe that? The Spirit of God, there might be just one little nuance of the picture that your eyes are drawn to, and you know the Spirit of God is teaching you. So in concerning this, that sheep can be both healthy and they can be also unhealthy within the flock. We'll see that as this study unfolds. Uh, healthy sheep are alert, listening carefully to their pastor with the occasional amen, right? <laughs> you have clear eyes and pricked ears. You have a good appetite. You walk with order. Sheep walk with order and coordination. You hold your heads up. You chew the cud regularly. A, a, a healthy sheep has a firm and unbroken fleece, and they also have sound feet. They have unbroken teeth, and they stay in the fold, and they know and they follow the shepherd. Other characteristics, including some neg negative, is they're vulnerable. They're very no vulnerable. They need a shepherd. They wander, and occasionally they will follow the goats. You've got to be careful who you're sitting beside in church. They will abandon their young on occasion, and many times they are defenseless, and sometimes sheep just simply amble through life. But they love to rest. They love to lie down in green pastures. They can become easily frightened, and rushing water frightens them and can be very deadly to sheep. And so through the, the broad uh, you know, picture of sheep and the relationship with the shepherd, as I start this study, I sat down and I began to regather thoughts that had been in my heart for many years gone by, and, and then to make it current to our church family today, and I drew out eight characteristics of sheep that I'm going to share with you today briefly. Very briefly today. Now, remember, I'm not going to expect you to be a theologian on all eight characteristics today. But I'm going to believe that there's going to be something said in these eight characteristics of the actual natural sheep that we find in the sheepfold. And then as that as becomes an example to us, that it exposes to us something that God is dealing with his flock, his flock are men. Amen? And that is number one. Get this down in your spirit. Number one, sheep need to be not in a field that was in a fold. I'm sorry, or flock. I missed that one. Sheep need to be in a flock. You need to be a part of the flock. You're in the field, but you need to be in the flock. Come on, somebody. You need to be a part of the sheepfold. Sheep simply are vulnerable to predation. The actual animal, the sheep, is vulnerable to predation. It's almost defenseless. It's not like a deer. Deer can be off uh, bounding and wandering by themselves. They're very vigilant. Deer can easily leap over a fence. Deer have such instinctive, uh, you know, reaction that they can, they can outrun almost any uh, animal in the, in, the, in the forest, but not sheep. Sheep have got to be in the safety of the flock. So you and I, let me just say this, you were designed by God not to be a wild mountain goat. Rather, you were designed by God to be a faithful, loving, committed member of the flock that God places you in. 
God places you in the fold. God places you there. And within that safety and that social order, that fellowship, you learn to grow and to become productive for God's purposes. You have to be very guarded that in the sheepfold there are maverick sheep. What do we call maverick sheep? Maverick sheep are what they call in the church that, that, that we like to mix with the flock but refuse to actually be a part of the fold. Any of us that have ever owned cattle, many of us in our area don't own sheep, but we own cattle and we see a little bit of similarities. There have been many times when you'll bring up the herd, when I, as I did last week and put it on the screen for you, my little signal to my cattle when I say, come on up, come on up, and here they come and run. They weren't very far off in the video because they were in a small paddock, but many times they're way off and I can call them up just by beginning to yell, come on up, come on up, and here they come. And, and so there, that if you have sometimes you'll have an animal on the fold that the whole herd, in this case flock, but the whole herd for me is with the owning cattle, will be together and then there'll be that one just standing off. She's got a wild eye look in her eye. And you're like, mm, and every time she's the last one to go in the gate, and when you get ready to take them up and to treat them, to take care of them, to medicate them, or to give them immunizations or whatever, she does not want to go. You know, eventually, eventually that one's going to get loaded up and go to the visit Jace and Joe on, on a Monday and move on down the line because you can't pastor it. You can't shepherd it. It's just they've, just they've created that. And so there are people in the body of Christ that they, they refuse to let their gifts be harnessed. And they bolt when any type of demand is placed upon them. And I want you to know today, you're putting yourself at grave risk. God wants you to be connected to the body of Christ. He wants you to develop a very personal relationships and friendships with and become productive. And then within the fold, you grow, you mature, and you multiply in, in the context of his fold. So point number one, it's very simple. God wants you in the fold. Number two, if you're going to be in the fold, you know what you need? You need a shepherd. Let me just go ahead and drop that down in your spirit today. I had a conversation with someone this morning who came by the church early that Sherry and I knew from our teenage years in high school who recently had a conversion. I mean, and, and in his heart and mind, it's a powerful, life-changing. He said that multiple times to me. He said, he said it's life-changing. It's life-changing, my submission to Jesus, my encounter with Christ. And you know what, Pastor Brown looked him in the eye and, and said, I said, let me tell you what you need. Above all else, you need to get in a sheepfold. You need to get in a church family somewhere. And you've got to have somebody that you call pastor. You've got to have somebody that you call shepherd. And because the first application in this certainly is God. The Lord is my shepherd. Right? But God, as shepherd, has placed spiritual leaders in our lives to help us navigate this, ter this difficult terrain that we live amongst called life. Right? And so God gave gifts to men for the good of his children. And of those calling, I believe, a pastor closely resembles that of a shepherd. As a matter of fact, when you study the scriptures, did you know that the word pastor only appears a couple times in the King James Version of the Bible? And it is translated from the very same Greek word that is later translated shepherd, later. And so this, this ministry identifies with this concept of sheep and shepherd more than any other. But what we struggle with in America is we have this independent mindset that's contrary to the biblical notion of connection to connecting to and submitting to spiritual leaders. And the writer of the book of Hebrews writes about it. I do want to put this text on the screen. It's in Hebrews 13 and 17. People struggle with this in this American culture. I want to read it with you. It says, obey them that have the rule over you and do what? This is not a bad thing. The word submission is a good thing. 
Now, maybe not when it's uh, nationwide mandates that are outside of the constitutional order, but not within the context of the kingdom of God. Submit yourselves. For who we watch for your souls as they must give account. We're going to give account one day, and we want to do it with joy and not with grief because it would be unprofitable for you. And so every person I want you to know today, I don't care you say, Pastor, you don't understand. I am far more intelligent than any person in this room, including the people that stand on this platform. Obviously, I say, all right, I can agree with that. That's fine. But you know what? That does not matter. You still need a shepherd. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've got spiritual gifts. My shadow heals people. I'm praying people through to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I led 17 people to Christ this week while I was on the job. And I want you to know, let me tell you today, I'll look you right in the eye. I don't care who you are. You need a shepherd. You need somebody that God has placed in your life for spiritual accountability. Someone who will love you, who will teach you, and who will lead and will watch over you in the faith with grace. You know why? Because a good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We're not hirelings. We don't flee when trouble comes. We don't flee when the wolf comes. Uh, but we join our faith to your faith to guide and also to guard and to protect you. And to encourage you that you can become the person God's called you to be. And we're going to learn more about that next week. So I'll move on very quickly. Number three today, sheep have to be marked. We got to know who's ours. Are you out there? Oh, what a week I've been for a great point, Pastor Brown. I'm going to do this in about, I don't know, seven to eight days. I've got quite a few calves on the ground right now, and I'm grateful for it. And so I'll bring the calves up, and I will ear tag them today. Today, for the cattle and for sheep, we use plastic ear tags. And in those big ranches way out west, often they'll still brand the, the, the cattle. But in the days of the sheepfold that we read about here in Scripture, they would actually mark the ear. You've heard JoJo say that more than one occasion from this pulpit. You may have not really understood what he meant. And so in days gone by before modern-day ear tags, shepherds would take the new lambs that were born, and every shepherd had a mark, an identification mark, of a certain cut or notch that he would put in the ear of the sheep. So just in case... That sheep wandered later. That little lamb became a sheep and wandered off and got perhaps in another fold. That shepherd could then look and say, wait a minute, that's not my sheep. That's in my neighbor's fold. And so they could identify those sheep. And so let me say this today. As, as, as a body of believers, it's important that you give us your ear. Allowing us, number one, to speak God's word to you. Right? I need your ear today. To give the, this word, to drop it down in your spirit. But then also, uh, one of the things that I've learned, let me say this too, is that as pastors, and I'm saying this to the pastors under the sound of my voice, not only do we mark people with the gift that God's given to us as maybe preachers or musicians or exhorters or somebody that's in prayer partnership with, and we use that gift. And I would love to be able to say that I'm able to mark the ear of every person that hears me every Sunday. But I have learned over time that sometimes that's not as deeply uh, as, as impacting as when I might do something on a personal level for somebody within the fold. And that when I relate to that person, maybe helping them through a crisis, maybe being there for them, maybe doing something, maybe helping that person when they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I have found that during those moments, maybe it's in a hospital room, maybe it's there when you sit down with a couple who's going through a tough time in their marriage. And in those moments of time, I have found that I can mark the sheep many times more, more intimately than I can through the preaching ministry. 
And I've learned as a pastor that if I can mark the ear of the people uh, through counsel or an act of kindness, then for the most part, they're going to be a part of this fold. And you need to be marked. Hello, somebody. Number four. Are y'all with me out there today? Is the picture coming together? We are the sheep of whose pasture? We're the Lord's, right? We are, it's his pasture, right? We're the sheep of his pasture. And here's the thing that you need and something that means a lot to us. Sheep need green pastures and still waters. And shepherds strive to find good pastures for their sheep. And they often lead the flock on long journeys in search of green pastures. And ideally, the shepherd will search for a place where the flock can then rest for an extended period of time, an extended season, where there's little anxiety, there's little tension or stress or discord in the flock, where pregnant ewes can give birth and kids can grow and flourish. And that's something that a shepherd, uh, if you have ever been to Israel, you understand that the terrain often was very uh, barren at times. It's not like, you know, we get like 52 inches of rainfall a year here in the state of Arkansas. There are places in Israel that get around nine inches of rainfall a year. And so a shepherd would have to be constantly moving, searching. And when he found green pastures, if at all possible, he would stop for an extended period of time because he knows that his sheep are most vulnerable when they're in transition, when, when they're going through changes. And, and so it's, it's very important uh, that, he, that they're very guarded and they arrive at a place where that he can then provide for them green pastures. And I want you to know, what does that mean for you as a church family? And that means that it's our responsibility as pastors to bring you to a certain place in your life where that you have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church and we provide something to you that can actually affect your spiritual growth and maturity that we recognize of the deficiencies that are in this world and we need the word of God, the right word at the right time, right? That to be able to know, to be able to help you personally. And so we've got to be able to be studious ourselves. We've got to, we've got to study and say, God, what are you saying to this church? What do the church family need? What are the things that I'm going to, to teach them? How is that going to affect them? We've been teaching you about prayer on Wednesday nights. I'm going to teach this Wednesday night on the word of faith related to prayer. And so there's, a, there's always something in us as pastors and leaders to say, God, how can I help this church family both individually and collectively arrive at a, arrive at a place where anxiety is not in their life? I want to be in a place where you're anxious for nothing. Well, you've got a fresh anointing on your head, and you've got an ear to hear, and the Spirit of Mary rests on you. What do I mean by the Spirit of Mary? I've said it before. It's where you hunger and thirst for the Word of God, because then is that's that place and that season of growth that you need for your life. It's very important. As a pastor, one of the things that means the, as much to me as anything that I do is praying, God, help us to teach the people adequately that they can be healthy in their communion and their walk with you to study the word and to drop the nuggets of truth and not only us but the other leaders among us i sat with the men on sunday on on, on saturday morning as 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 we broke open the book of james and we were we were studying about the will of god and and different things at that very first chapter and i and i was thinking about how that relates and how it affects us as people and and it's all because we're part of a fold and because we pause for a certain season of life to say here's the word of god let's feast on it number five though pastor guess what are y'all with me it's that sheep though if you're not careful and let everybody say Is that true? 
Sheep can become overfed and underexercised. A good shepherd knows that it's, it's necessary, as necessary as it is for green pasture and still waters, he's got to keep the flock moving as well. If you stay too long in one pasture, you'll overfeed the sheep. And without the demand of moving, it will cause the sheep to become under-exercised and overfed and eventually becoming unhealthy. And often when sheep do fall, and oftentimes sheep fall in the fields and they're, they're unable to get back up, it's because they are, they are overfed and they're under-exercised. And so as a pastor, that's one of the things that's important to us. We've got to know where to stay and we've got to know when to move. We've got to know when to, we've got to adapt to certain things culturally. We've got to know when we need to resist certain things culturally. We've got to know when this is a truth that we need to hold on to. And we need to say, God, we need to go back and re-examine. It's familiar, but we need to, we need to search it out attentively again because there's a lot of new things God can put in our hearts. And then we also got to know when God says, but that was a word that, that was really ministered at a particular era and a season, but I'm doing something a little bit different right now. Right? How many know that's important? And so as a church family, there are times that you want to be camped in the same place and you want to say, this is who we are, this is where we are. And then there's other times you just say, you know what, i got to pick up and i got to move and i got to transition from one place to the other. Even though I expose myself to greater risk, but at the same time I can expose myself to complacency if somebody is not challenging me to move me along spiritually and developing you. Pastors move the flock along in doctrine, diverse teaching and vision, different seasons of opportunity and prayer. How many know a consistent prayer life will keep you healthy and moving? Right? And so many of our American churches, here's the reality, in the natural and in the spiritual, we're overfed and we're under-exercised. And I have felt in my spirit, I'm going to just be honest with you, I've noticed this as I've pastored this wonderful church for 18 years, that I've had seasons, and there are times that we've been transitioning. And when the church is in transition, we're at more vulnerable and more risk than any other time. And so then we camp for a period of time, and there we grow, and there we have new vision and gain new vision, and we get new, new, new offspring, and we get new hope. But then if we're not careful, we can stay there for too long and become contented. And I think we've been in that place for a little too long. I feel something in my spirit over the last several months for a transition to be made in our church family. And the depth of which I don't know exactly yet, but I know some of the direction that God's putting in my heart that's going to broaden us and it's going to deepen us at the same time. But I also know it's going to put us at risk. But I also know you're at risk if we stay here right where we're at and we never move. There are a lot of churches that will camp in the same pasture and remain there holding the fort until Jesus comes and they'll die until the last member is dead and it's nothing but a vacated building full of memories. I don't want to be a part of a fellowship like that. I want to be a part of a fellowship that's vibrant. We're here. We're grazing where God said grace. But when the Lord said it's time to move, let's move. Let's go because he's got something better for us than even what we've enjoyed presently. And so I have to tell you what, something's in my spirit. We're about to tell you in the days ahead, we're going to keep you moving. Number six today, stay moving in this, this evil world that we live in today. Sheep need to travel light. Did you know God designed sheep to be productive? They need to produce offspring. Shepherds don't beget sheep. Shepherds begat shepherds. Sheep begat sheep. And so God designed you to be productive. Did you know this is just, I like to look at stuff like this. You may say, Pastor Brown, you're a little psycho at certain areas. I don't mean to be offensive by saying this. I know I can be a little bit at times. But I raised cattle in the gestation period of cattle. It's like 235 days. 
And, uh, but for sheep, it's 147 days. It's kind of interesting when you look at it because it's possible to lamb two times in a year. Now, number one, all the ladies here that actually gave birth, and you say, Pastor Brown, you don't know anything about that, so don't even start making comments about that. And I know that. I know that. I was there in the room. That's all that I know related to it. But I will say this. I'm sure that Sister Sherry was kind of glad that she didn't have two one in one year. And rather, she had six over a 10-year period of time. And so with this said, though, did you know it's possible for a sheep to lamb twice a year? But most probably, almost always, they're going to lamb three times in two years. And that in cattle, for the most part, you'll always, almost always just get one per year. Did you know it's possible to get one to three lambs at a time? And two are most common. And that they can double or triple many times and sometimes even have four. And I read of it was a goat, not a sheep, but it's the same kind of con- context that birthed ten in two years. And I asked myself why I was raising cattle. Sheep can be productive, but you need to travel light. Because not only do you give of offspring, but you give of wool. So many times up to the weight of a sheep is 20% of their body weight in wool. And it's heavy, unsheared sheep that are most vulnerable to getting caught in thickets and ultimately predation. That you need to be sheared and travel light. So what's the, what's the spiritual connection to that, Pastor Brown? You need to share your resources. Share your time. Share your energy. Share your talent. Share your blessings. Don't take it to the grave. Give it away. Live light. Be blessed to be a blessing. Don't be blessed to hoard up. Come on, somebody. Be blessed to bless other people. Let be, Always be a conduit. Let it flow through you. I'll tell you what. Givers, I've watched, givers are the most blessed people because it comes in one hand and goes out another. In our testimony yesterday, Randy Groves brought up a scripture that really meant a lot to him over the years. It's found in the book of Proverbs. And you have to have a spiritual ear to understand what he's saying there. And the writer of Proverbs here, Solomon says, There is he that scattereth and has much. And then there is he that withholds too much and has little. And if you're that person, do you understand what he's saying? He's saying it's there the, he that has the confidence to scatter it, trusting the Lord, and God always provides. And there are those who, out of fear or whatever the reason, hold back what they should give, and they struggle. And so travel light, church family. Travel light. Live life by traveling light. Be willing to share the resources that God's committed to, to you. Number seven today, and there's only eight, perhaps these last two, are the most impacting. Number seven, again, let's draw back for just a moment of time. We're talking about sheep. We read four passages of Scripture where I plainly uh, you know, exposed to you a doctrine that's hid all throughout the Word of God that God took the example of the sheep, the, 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 the bleeding sound of the sheep in the field that related to his relationship with ancient Israel, and thus it is for us today. And it behooves every one of us to look very, uh, very, very, personally and make this a personal application to our lives and say, God, you're my shepherd. You're my shepherd, Lord God, and I'm the sheep of your pasture. I pray that even to this day. I pray that and say, Father, I'm yours. I put my faith and my trust in you. And this point number seven maybe needs to be spoke about today more than at any other time in our lifetime. Sheep often act out of fear. 
Hmm. Sheep are known to panic. Sheep can mistake a bounding jackrabbit in the field for a wolf. And many times when one panics and starts to run, guess what? The whole flock. The whole flock takes off. And most of the other sheep don't even know. They're just running. They have no idea what's going on. They just know that one is, has responded and they are re reacting to their response. And so let me tell you this. Fear can become conducive to mass panic. We've seen that in the last couple of years. You can judge me for saying this if you want to, but we've seen this being used during the scandemic. Certain politicians and media create hysteria resulting in panic, even in the church. Fear is a real threat to us all. We live in perilous times. But let me tell you, when you, when, you, when you see something that's out of the ordinary, when you're concerned and you're a sheep and you've got your head buried down in the grass and you lift up and you see movement all around, rather than just joining with the flock and running, how about lift up your eyes to the shepherd? If he's agitated, you need to be agitated. But if he's at rest, then you be at rest. Keep your eyes on the shepherd and you won't fall prey to the panic that occurs as a result of fear. He's the good shepherd. And what did the good shepherd say? He said, fear not, little flock. Fear not, little flock. You say, Pastor, you understand we're in the midst of a, of a worldwide pandemic, and then there's all kinds of mandates, and there's the contention over the, the vaccine, and all this stuff is going on. Fear not, little flock. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. Pastor, you understand they're not getting all the resources that we need to America to provide for us the goods and services that, that are uh, coming right now. And there's a, there's a, I don't know, am I going to get the medication that I need? Am I going to get the food that I need? Am I going to be able to buy a gift for my child this Christmas? Fear not, little flock. Lift up your eyes, not to what's going on around you. Put your eyes on the shepherd. If he's at rest, then rest. If he said graze in the green pasture, then you just drop your head down and graze. And when it's time to move, then you just follow him. Don't follow all that's going on around you. And I want you to know I would say that whether it was Trump in the White House or it's Biden in the White House. Because they're not my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not lack. And so I want you to not respond. Strive. Fear's a real thing. And we all live with a measure of it. And you can suppress it by the spirit that dwells within you or you can fall prey to it and it will lead you to panic. We've all observed during the last two years of time people that have lost their entire sense of well-being as a result of the pandemic. They've lost hope. They've lost the virtue of fellowship. They've lost the, the warmth and the touch of somebody's hand. And we know it's, there's very real sickness called COVID-19. We know that. And I'm not trying to pretend it's not present. And I want to be guarded from being overzealous one way or the other. But I want to always guard my heart of fear. You can die in fear. Just like you can die from COVID-19 or any other disease. Don't act out of fear. Challenge yourself in faith. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. Lastly today. Here's the last one for us today. Sheep occasionally need the lift of the shepherd. First application is Godward. Always. 
but God uses people. The term cast down can refer to a sheep that has fallen and cannot get up. For sheep, it can be overeating. It can be too much wool. It can be the simple thing of water in the fleece or sickness and disease. And that sheep just simply cannot get, get up. And at that moment of time, if that sheep stays in that condition long enough, it's going to eventually lead to some type of paralysis where it can no longer get up and predation is going to be a real threat to that sheep. And at that moment of time, we need a shepherd to lift us up. Now, here's from my own personal experiences as a pastor. Life can be tough. And all the people said, I'm just being honest. I mean, we've got pastors that preach very honest, transparent. I mean, their emotions are, are real. They can, you can see them. People experience horrific situations. I mean, it's, it's the real. Living on this planet, on this side of eternity, man, it, it's, it's just difficult. I, I don't know if we fathom sometimes. And I'm preaching to people that you have gone through the valley of the shadow of death in ways that there might be somebody under the sound of my voice we can't even imagine what you've gone through, the trauma that you've experienced. And then there's the constant pressure of just surviving. I mean, you know, that can get to you as well at times. Just, the, just like, oh, my gosh, I mean, just everything, this constant weight. And, and eventually, if you're not careful, you can get weighted down and even fall prey to depression. Hello, somebody. Let's, let's make this real here today. And, and even as believers, as believers, you know, we can, our, our countenance can fall as well. Every one of us here have had times in our lives when we were downcast, haven't we? And God lifts us in different ways. Did you know sometimes just coming through the doors of the church, just coming in the sanctuary, I have watched people's eyes. As they got here, they were downcast. But even without prayer, even without being, having hands laid on them, just being in, this, being in an environment where people suddenly went vertical, I have seen their whole countenance change and them walk out of here entirely different than the way they came in. Happens all the time in the body of Christ. But other times, other times, and obviously this is the last one, I'm closing on this point here today. You know, for others, maybe it didn't happen during worship, but maybe it happened during the Word or praise and worship, whatever it is. But you know what? The reality is sometimes there are people that are just so downcast they don't even feel like they have the strength to make it to this facility. And that's when it becomes, behooves us and our responsibility to find them because they need to be lifted. Sheep need the lift of a pastor. Every one of us. I'll tell you two things in closing real quickly. Closing this message. First, a natural example. I learned this firsthand when I first bought a farm in 2012. Sherry and I had our first cow named Lucy. And I only got one remark, one response, Shane. That was from you and Ken, because y'all have now two cows named Annabelle and Mabel. So I had Lucy and Daisy. And Daisy got pregnant too early little fornicating going on in the field. And the shepherd wasn't aware of it. 
that little bull that I called Red. I didn't know he was old enough. And lo and behold, he was old enough. And she got pregnant too early, and she calved one night when we were coming back from a basketball game in February, and it was nine degrees. And I didn't know it was so cold. I knew it was cold, and I put her up where I could watch her closely. We got in from the basketball game, and I started to go check on her, and I thought, well, she's been good at, before I left. We've been gone three or four hours. I got up that morning, and it had gotten so brutal cold. It was through the night. That was at night, nine degrees, and by then, you know, it was almost negative. And I go over there, and she is laying. She has slid on a rock-frozen ground from the barn that I had her in all the way down the bank. Under the fence, her calf is laying there dead, frozen. And what happened was she can't get up because the calf was too big, paralysis had taken place, pinched the nerve in her hips, and she could not stand up. She weighed about 800 pounds. And I told you I'm skinny, but in the right situation, I can be relatively strong. And I grabbed her by the horns and drug her back up the hill, back to the barn by myself. Now, that was because the ground was frozen. Or I'd never been able to do that if the ground was soft. But I was able to get her back in the barn. I'm just so sad, just, you know, because I felt like maybe I played a part because I didn't check on her like I should have. And so, as Aaron joins me on the platform real quickly. So then, I didn't know anything about this paralysis. And so I'm waiting for her. She won't get up. She won't get up. So then I do like everybody does. I call. And then I Google search. And I find out and I learn what I just told you is that, that in that birthing of that large calf on a small cow, that paralysis, that nerve can be pinched. You can't get up. So we, I would feed her out of a bucket and water out of a bucket to try to keep her alive. And I read testimonies of people that said, man, I did that for three days and eventually had to shoot her. Read her for three, you know, I tried it for a week and, and eventually had to shoot her. And I was like, oh, I just had, she was our first calf. Lucy was our first cow. And so they, I was like, oh, I just hated you. I already cost her her calf. I felt like I was partly to pray, to play a part in that. So I was doing my part. And so I learned that if you can get them up, you got to try to get circulation. They've set so, even after the paralysis begins to go away, they've set so long in that condition, their legs are almost locked and they can't. And so I called a few guys over and Randy Gross came over and Shane Parrish came over. And we took, a, we took some type of contraption and we took my tractor and we got it underneath her. We was able to, you know, push and push and push and tug to get something underneath her, and we put it on the fork of the tractor, and we lifted her up on the back end and held her legs up like that, and then dropped her legs down on the ground for just a few minutes at a time. She would just try to stand, but she couldn't, and she would buckle, and she'd go back down. And we put her back down, and we left her alone. The next day, I went back out, and I did it again. And the third day, I went back out, third or fourth day, and I did the same thing. She's got the whole contraption on her. I raised her up. I put her feet down, and then when I drop the fork just a little bit lower and take total pressure off, she stands up on her own. And then she got a little bit stronger, and we nursed her back to health, and she's in our herd today. She's the oldest cow that I have. She's got a calf at her side. She has a beautiful calf every year. She's got horns. The only cow that I've got has got horns. She clears the other cows like Moses in the Red Sea. She's the boss cow. Don't get in Daisy's way. And you can come to our farm and you can say, 
man, Pastor Brown, you got a great-looking little herd there, but in the middle of the farm is one little Jersey dairy cow that weighs 800 pounds. And people say, well, why don't you sell her? Well, I don't want to sell her because I learned a valuable lesson about pastoring people. Sometimes people fall, and they need somebody to come to them. I can't come to everybody, but I really feel like that when you go to somebody, you're extending the reach of the shepherd. When Jace prays with somebody, or Joe, or Shane, or anybody within our fellowship, when you pick up the phone and you call somebody, or when you go to someone, you know what you're doing? You're extending not only my hand, but you're extending his hand to help lift them up, to say, you know what? You can make it. You're down, but you don't have to be out. You can have a future. Sheep need the touch and the lift of a shepherd. And I came to this house today to start this series with as much compassion and sincerity in my heart to tell you that I want to pray for anybody that says, Pastor Brown, you don't understand what I'm going through. Can you pray with me? I understand at some level. At some level. Years ago, I told you two stories. I've told this years ago. I hadn't told it in a long, long time. Years ago, I was TDY, temporary duty in the United States Air Force, to England. And while I was away from my wife and two children, I went through a personal, a personal spiritual battle unlike anything that I'd ever gone through before. And I found out later that, you know, there's a lot of uh, occultic activity in the United Kingdom. That in the country, the small country of England alone, there's over 100,000 certified witches. And so while there, a darkness began to come over my mind. Fear began to grip my heart. And I felt alone, more alone than I'd ever felt in my life. It was the hardest time. And nobody knew it. During the day, I would do my job or I worked at night. I I would do my job. But when I would go back, every fear, every imagination that I can ever imagine was coming into my mind. And And I was really at the point, I didn't know who to turn to. And I remember, I said, I'm going to call my pastor, Pastor Larry Burton. Of, of MacArthur Assembly of God, Jacksonville. And in those days, we didn't have cell phones. We had telephone booths. And I went to a, tele, a red English telephone booth. I was looking for Jack the Ripper the whole time because it was night and misty. So there's a lot going on. How many know that can affect you, all that? The weather affects you. I, when you come in on a, sun, a bright sunny morning like today, everybody's smiling. When it's dark and misty, people come in like this. Well, that reflected my countenance. It reflected my spirit. And, and so in those days, I mean, it cost me $20 to make that call. And so I made that call, and Pastor Burton happened to answer the phone. It was just kind of a rarity for the senior pastor at that moment. And I can remember hearing his voice. How many of you know sheep know the voice of a shepherd? And he said these words. He said, hey, buddy. What you doing? He said, how you doing? Because I hadn't talked to him since I left, and this is about 45 days in now. And I said, Pastor, to be honest, I'm not doing real well. I'm really struggling. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God fell, not on me, fell on him in Jacksonville, Arkansas. And he began to speak an anointed word that traveled via a phone line. And came out the other end of that black-handled telephone in my hand. And he began to speak prophetically to my life. He began to bind the enemy. He began to lift my countenance. Come on, somebody. He began to tell me that, you know what, God's going to bring you through it. 
He began to bind all that occultic activity and demonic powers. And when I walked out, now everything wasn't just right. I wasn't ready to fully walk on my own just yet, but he had put my feet back up under me. Helped me gain a little bit of strength to be able to then day by day get a little bit stronger. A little bit stronger. I can't offer you much today, church family, but I can offer you one thing. We'll pray for you today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just need somebody to pray with me. You're in the right house on the right day. Because we believe that occasionally sheep need to be lifted. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed before I ask you to stand. I want to be as real and as sincere with you as I can. I'm not alone. I've got pastors. There are other people that extend my hand. There are people that will join me in prayer in a moment of time that are more gifted in prayer than I have ever been and probably ever will be. But they're extending the touch of a pastor when they pray for you. There is no shame. There is no shame in you saying here today, Pastor, I came to the First Assembly of God. I didn't even know it was Sheep and Shepherd series today. Pastor, you don't understand how heavy my heart is today and some of the things that I'm going through. I need somebody to pray with me today. If that's you, I want you to do two things. It's going to take great courage today because we're going to come to you and pray for you. But we're going to ask you to come forward if at all possible. Number one, take the courage to lift your hand up. Let me see real quickly. See some hands going up. There you go, some hands. Sincerity, sincerity. Thank you. Takes great courage. Thank you. Thank you. People are saying. Here in just a moment. Here in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And there's going to be another group of people that are going to come with us here today. And I'm going to stand right in front of you, and other pastors are going to be with me. And and we'll dismiss the fold. We'll dismiss the flock so that they don't have to wait. That's fine. But we want you that come forward to stay. A pastor, because there's multiple pastors that will come with me right here today. They'll, They'll join with me, and we're going to pray, and we're going to just speak the word of faith over you. We're just going to pray. We don't know all your situation. We don't know everything about what you're going through. But our job in that moment is to just simply lift you. Just to lift you. Just to lift you just a little bit. Because you're the sheep of his pasture. We're not wanting you to put your trust in us. We're just in this moment. We're the under shepherd. We know that true healing takes place when you look to the true shepherd. The good shepherd. The one that died on the tree for you. The one that hung his head. The one that said, Father, forgive them. That one. That's the one that gave us life for you. That's who you got to see. Our prayer is going to just help lift you that you can see him and how much God loves you. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Would y'all stand up with me today? All across this room, I want to ask you to be very, very spiritual for the next couple of minutes of time. If you raised your hand, would you honor me today in what I preached by having the courage to come forward without shame, without fear, without anxiety, just saying there's no shame and saying I just need somebody, a pastor, to pray with me today. There's no shame in that at all. As a matter of fact, the wrong thing would be for you to be downcast and not turn to somebody who can pray with you.